0: Welcome back to the Whistle Mission Outdoors podcast. This is Jim. Uh this is Pat. That is Pat. Good for yeah. you. Oh, wow. Good for yeah. you. Here we go again. You got anything interesting this week for me? Any, any interesting? Cool. You, uh-huh.
1: Real quick, what did you do this week? You did a lot this week.
0: I didn't do a lot. I did a lot in the last couple of days. But no, pretty much I'm still kind of skunked. We landed some smallmouth yesterday. But we tried from last week, we were talking light versus temperature in the day type thing and so we gave that a shot i, I got no better result
1: you were out there hitting it hard though I mean, oh i spent a lot of time Gotta we admire your effort
0: i was on three different major rivers in illinois over the last uh 24 hours and all i got were some small moths to show for it you know
1: yeah yeah well i mean that's not the end of the world though you know some action is action you know, going out too early or going out too late Has anybody been saying anything like that the past couple of days?
0: No, I asked some people what they thought on that, and uh, they're all like, nah, that's craziness. I I really do think it is craziness. I think it's craziness, too. But you know what? I thought it was worth a shot. can't catch less fish than none. Um,
1: Yeah, I'd I'd try using bubble gum if somebody told me it worked right now. So that's about... uh, We tried...
0: It's funny, because we were on the Fox River today, so we got stuck. Hardcore. So we really wanted to try to push upstream. And I'm not going to say exactly where I was, Okay. But we were trying to push upstream, and it got super shallow. And so, so we're like, well, we'll just push past this little section, okay? Ended up, we had to we drag. And I'm not talking about just, like, get out and do it a little bit. We had to drag the boat about 100 yards two different times. So
1: upstream of the only boat launch that we know of, close. Okay.
0: I, I didn't tell you what river. Oh. I didn't tell you what river. We, I'm not spot wait. burning because I got a lot of confidence in this spot. But we had a, I was out with Evan all weekend. And so we had to literally drag that little deep V. You know, that, that boat's not very big, but that, that deep part catches everything.
1: Yeah, I think we learned our lesson about the deep V boat in the
0: deep v, deep v for what I'm doing. I always bought deep Vs because we were always fishing lakes. And now that I'm doing a lot more localized fishing... I got a treat coming. I'm not going to say that yet. That's going to be for a future. Once I know everything's solid in the game, well, we got a big treat coming in the boat world. And it's going to it's gonna to be totally different to it's this going to area. Be,
1: it's going to be pretty cool.
0: So once this is a little more closer to the event, then I will announce what it is. But we got, we, got a, we got a special
1: whistle mission boat coming, okay? One thing that led to that special whistle mission boat. That is a tongue twister. Special whistle mission boat. <laughs> but, uh, was me and him were both in the Kankakee plugging away at the six horse and we were in this power neutral stage where we're going just as fast as the current and we were looking at the guy next to us and he's looking at us like you're not going anywhere dude (laughs) and so i actually
0: had to get on the oars i had to get on i got 10 foot whitewater rafting horse and i had to pump to get that thing moving and then we finally get up to like a mile an hour
1: you you had to like get the oars moving at the speed of the river before they touch the water they just suck it out of your hands and slow you down even more
0: that was we should not have been out there that day
1: but it was you know. still pretty funny, and it was a good experience, and it was a good lesson in boats because right after we got up there, you know, keep in mind there was two of us in the boat. Dude pulled up in a John boat, and he just raced that same stretch.
0: Yeah, like nothing. He also had a much bigger motor. But, you no, know, that deep V, when we were trying to drift back down, we almost got thrown into the wall. That's that keel on the bottom you can't overdo it in strong current. So that's how we got major changes coming. Major, major. Let's just put it this way. The Midwest Power Drifter is for sale. I, at the end of August – after we get back from that trip, that I'm going to win the new mic stand on. After um, we get that back from that, that, that that boat is officially for sale. First come, first serve, take it.
1: And when you say take it, that almost made it sound like it was free. Almost. But it's not.
0: I got a couple people asking about it. But anyway, so what? Uh, not that this has anything to do with outdoors, but what was your little thing they did to you for your CDL this week?
1: Oh, I got jerked around. Uh, this has been the story since the very beginning, but... Illinois is tough, and you go to the you know they make a new COVID rule every day, so I could only be in the DMV for a certain amount of time, and they just kicked me right back out after I, I could only take three of the four written tests that I had to take, and then I was in there for too long, so they had to kick me out and made me come back on Saturday.
0: You got you gotta love Illinois DMV stuff. God, they get the worst people. Just to deal with it.
1: Honestly, like the people at this DMV, I've met them before because I've been through this before, and some most of them are actually pretty good people. It's just the rules that they get put through that's pretty garbage so
0: so i know you got screwed around with that but what about any outdoor activity
1: yesterday after my little tenure at the dmv i went down to uh meet up with my buddy dan we were working on uh getting our arrows ready and i was also working on climbing so i did a bunch of that yesterday even did a little scouting trip you tried the new climber you said right yeah oh so the new climber is a learning curve definitely you can't just go out there on day one and know how to use it and uh so i went out there and I've I've been kind of nervous about how well this is going to work and it worked great. So you just got to get the hang of it. That's all.
0: It's about you're up to like half the speed of the tree stand now.
1: Oh no, I'm going to I'm going to run right up that thing and then I'm going to be looking down at you while you're still putting your little straps on. Yeah, no way. So
0: no way. But uh so how, was, how does scouting go?
1: Scouting uh it's a very interesting area. The only one that we could walk. I feel like Illinois purposely doesn't mow certain areas that you could hunt. That you would need to scout, but you can't scout them right now because you're just going to walk away with a bunch of poison ivy and ticks.
0: Yeah, I know it's going to be thick back there.
1: It's insanely thick back there. Yeah.
0: It, you know, once everything starts dying off a little bit, we're going to be dealing with it with early season, though.
1: Yeah, so we couldn't do that, so we were checking out another area that was pretty close by, and the mosquitoes were just absolutely insane.
0: Oh, yeah. You get that wetland just hanging out there. It doesn't know. matter
1: if you were wearing bug dope or not. It
0: it was really bad oh yeah some of those are like saber tooth mosquitoes they just yeah. go right through that stuff
1: and my oh, I'd, i'm not allergic to them or anything like that but my where they bit me blew up real bad on my arms and stuff like that yeah <laughs> we, were,
0: we were getting a little bit on the kankakee last night
1: but we did see a hen turns out you can't hunt them there anyway but we did see a hen so that was at least a little reward you know because i i like seeing animals just as much as i like hunting them you know and you're
0: going are you going mountain biking tonight or not
1: i am yeah we're going to payless that,
0: that's why we're doing this at uh noon
1: yeah because it's harder to ride the bike when it's this hot out it is hot out there I and mean, it's even, just stagnant mugginess
0: i got up at four o'clock this morning to get to the gym in time before we went fishing and at 4 30 whenever whenever i left the house 4 30 4 45 it was hot as hell outside still
1: the other thing that really didn't was just been sneaking up on me it, maybe it does it to everybody but the sun's going down a lot faster
0: it is yesterday it was pretty dark by 8 yeah, so. And even like uh, in the morning, it's still getting up at a decent time, but it's still like 545. I, at sunrise has got to be 545, 555, somewhere in there.
1: So trying to plan your run, you know, the time just keeps changing and you forget about it for a certain period of time. So now if you run into that, you're going to be out there trying to get back, you know, a half hour yeah, darkness. just
0: wait till daylight savings comes around. That's coming, man. It's August, you know.
1: I yeah. thought they were doing away with that.
0: Ah, uh, there they always
1: talk about that.
0: There's some vote they gotta do. I wish they would just do away with it.
1: I honestly I'm I thought that'd be a great idea to get away with it, but at the same time, I don't know. It's one of those things that kinda marks the time of the year to me. I don't know.
0: Yeah, when it gets dark before dinner though, that kinda sucks. Yeah.
1: Like. Four o'clock, you get to work, sun goes down. And that's coming. And life That's coming. Turns to darkness in the winter. But
0: you wanna move on to the news? Yeah.
1: Let's yeah, let's go. You
0: so, got anything you want to go first or you want me to go first?
1: Um I guess my Michigan news topic is kind of me going to be kind of going off on a rant. Not really. But yeah, it's relevant to last
0: week. Go ahead. It's relevant to last week. Maybe it's a little more fresher in people's minds that have listened to last week.
1: So this one comes from the MLive website, which I'm pretty sure is the Michigan DNR website. But uh, two DNR officers actually caught another alligator in a lagoon. Now, the last one was in Indiana. This one's in Michigan. And I, I just feel like. How stupid are people getting with their pets? Are we really going to be releasing alligators into the wild? I mean, come on. You know, what What if a kid was... You know, the kids aren't playing in a sewage lagoon, but they move, you know. To me, it's just kind of stupid that people keep... Where do they catch that at? Central Michigan.
0: What, you got a town?
1: Oh, yeah, Stanton, Michigan. Oh, okay. So that... Uh, they, they caught it with the fishing pole. That's, uh, I mean, that's pretty crazy. It's a little guy. He was only a three-footer. but But still, people are releasing their pets into the wild or just being careless enough to let them wander off on their own i mean come on
0: i'm ready to let one of my dogs off into the wild on their own
1: yeah but go
0: join a coyote pack you know else
1: is not going to go chew up a you know a kid you know
0: <laughs> is that all you got for that
1: yeah i, I mean I, I guess this is just more of a public service announcement to uh either keep a close eye on your pets or if you don't want an alligator anymore there's different ways to Get ri- not get rid of them, but, you know, either give them to somebody else who is going to take care of it or, I don't know, just not get an alligator in the first place maybe. I don't know.
0: So I'm going to do Wisconsin first, okay? And this is from wsaw.com. And the title was, Wisconsin DNR urges people to document their deer sightings.
1: Oh, wow. They're trying to map.
0: So I guess this has been going on since 1960. Uh, it goes until September 30th. Oh, they're saying Operation Deer Watch will provide important data for deer management. The data goes into a fawn to doe ratio, which helps determine deer populations and their estimates on deer populations.
1: And what they're going to tag.
0: So and then it says DNR uses this info for insight into reproductive status of herds and management around the state. And this helps them plan the harvest quotas and permit level recommendations. You can go to Wisconsin DNR and fill this out, but they want you to just report whatever you got. And it's, they'll only care until the end of September, you know, and this will get them a better idea of, you know, what's going on where. And I got to imagine they didn't say it. This is just me speculating, but I got to imagine this is also going to help with the CWD. You know, Wisconsin was kind of ground zero for CWD.
1: I mean, they're just trying to, it sounds like they're just trying to get the bigger picture. Which is good.
0: Oh yeah, but I imagine because I mean they're testing that stuff everywhere. I ran into an Illinois DNR guy that was out, and uh, this was early spring, and he was shooting deer, just testing, you was, know.
1: Yeah, for CWD.
0: They let him shoot it with a 308, a state issued 308.
1: Yeah, I mean, do you really want you know the guy out there wasting time trying to run yeah. around and get him with a recurve?
0: He gets to shoot it with a rifle. You yeah. Know?
1: Yeah, but that's one guy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I actually ran into him on a job site too.
1: And he's he's not he's not shooting to, you know. In popular areas, I'm sure at the time, right? Like he was pretty. No,
0: no. And he wasn't shooting more than. I mean, 100 yards was the furthest, and I don't even think it was that far. 70 so yards?
1: You turned a bunch of people loose in a well populated area like Illinois with yeah, the it's rifles.
0: 308 zinging around. Yeah. <laughs> Bits of tree flying off as you're walking around.
1: Yeah, it's like the 4th of July, and, you know, for the first week of. Or uh, I guess. When, when when do they do rifle season for Illinois?
0: They don't do rifle season for Illinois. Now
1: it's a special poll tag. I just don't know when it is. You mean shotgun? No, they actually have a rifle tag for Illinois now.
0: Really, I you gotta really win. That. You gotta
1: win a lottery, yeah.
0: Oh, okay. I'm I'm assuming it's around the rut in November.
1: And I'm, i I think it's like <coughs> there's some special public areas where they have it, and then it's also private land. But you got to be able to pull a permit for it. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting, right? What else you got for us? Um, this one's out of Indiana. I got it from the Tribune Star. You can find this article in a million different spots, though.
0: Yeah, I saw that one it was popular.
1: Um, but the Indiana. Department of Natural, you know, the Indiana DNR, uh, they want your ideas for fishing, hunting, trapping, and, uh, you know, all the other fish and wildlife uh, related regulations in Indiana, including special permits uh, regarding those topics. So uh, through September 15th, I'm reading straight from the article here, but because this is more of a, I don't know, I guess this is more of an announcement than... You know, topic to talk about, but uh, Hoosiers can use a convenient online form to contribute ideas and provide input on issues the DNR has identified for consideration. And on this website, you can find this article really easily. You can go fill out this form if you're from Indiana and submit your ideas. I think that's cool. It's Have Hoosier, you seen anything
0: like that? It said Hoosiers only. No, I don't, Illinois don't care what you think. Yeah, you know. And uh, I could I could see Wisconsin maybe being something. I don't know. Wisconsin might be a little hard, too, but Michigan maybe. But I think Indiana, what we're slowly so, finding
1: out here is that the Indiana DNR kind of has their stuff together. They're the good guys. Yeah. yeah,
0: they're the good guys. Yeah, They definitely have – so far, everything I'm reading, they definitely are more organized than Illinois for sure. Wisconsin's just got more resources, so it seems more popular, you know.
1: Yeah. I, I used to kind of call – now, don't take this personally, Hoosiers, but I used to kind of call Indiana just the road to Michigan, but that opinion is changing for me when I see – the input that their DNR has, the effect.
0: Oh yeah! Every time I look into it, they, they're always doing something cool. They're like, doing something everybody else should be following.
1: What was it? Our article maybe two weeks ago, where where the Indiana, you know, they own this little forty mile, forty five mile shoreline chunk of Lake Michigan, and they put, you know, a way higher percentage in.
0: Oh, you're talking about the fish. Yeah, yeah. That was when. That's when you slept in, wasn't it? Didn't I report on that by myself? I don't think so. I thought I did. Hold on, I got my notes here.
1: Sleep in. Yeah.
0: Old Pat's in bed.
1: Old Pat's in bed. I just can't, you know, you can go back and forth from shift to shift and be just fine every single time. And me, I'll be on the same shift and I can't wake up till, you know, 1030.
0: I can't find it. I wonder if I just had that on my phone. I bet you I just had that on my
1: phone. So, moving over to Illinois. Moving over to Illinois.
0: Now, this is a hunting I have no, like interesting but i know a lot of people do so all the pheasant hunting sites for this year are have been announced okay they're on they're out there there's a lot of there's a lot of different things you could do this year not there but it's 18 locations throughout the state 16 of those are operated by the dnr the other two are a public private like partnership oh the online permit reservation system is open you could officially put in for it the DNR, IDNR permits are available online for $30 for a resident, $35 for a non-resident. They have to be bought online. That's with this article... Oh, this is from commercialnews.com. I forgot to mention that. Sounds like another great Illinois thing. So they have to be bought online. Out of the 16 DNR sites, six of them are youth only. And all this is listed. This is all laid out. I didn't want to go down into too much crazy detail because it, like, it was like... There were so many different details for each site. And a lot of them, I think it was a lot of them are required to use non-toxic shells. And all info is available on the DNR site. So if you're a pheasant hunter and you're waiting for that information and you happen to listen to this podcast, you heard a deer first, you can go, you can get this ball rolling. I just, I know pheasant hunting is like, the one thing I realized about getting into hunting is you talk, you tell a guy, if you just generically say, I'm getting into hunting, automatically you're going to talk to a guy that's a deer hunter or a bird hunter, but rarely do you talk to a guy that's big in a both.
1: Yeah, I've kind of noticed that. They're truly one or
0: the other. And this is just my experience getting into hunting and talking to people about hunting. Some guys want to tell you about the duck spots, and other guys want to tell you about their bow.
1: We you saw know. a bunch of pheasant in what, February?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Those are was, cool bird, man. Yeah, they
1: are. You, you would think, man, that really does not fit in in this state. You yeah. Know? There's just not enough colors.
0: I've eaten pheasant. Don't care for
1: it. You
0: yeah. Know, I, it was kind of tough and yeah i'm not a big but i know it, it's a huge thing you I'm, know i'm pretty
1: interested in giving duck a shot
0: i'd take you out duck hunting Evan wants to go we're talking about taking the canoes out oh yeah yeah because he's got a camel one too so but, I told him, i'll go with you i'm not gonna hunt you oh know? The,
1: the regulations so this is the great the better part about duck hunting is the, the regulations are not per the state they're per the region the migration region of the bird so that's
0: oh that's interesting i didn't know
1: that yeah that's because you know they keep moving you know, that they're not an Illinois resource, they're a North American resource. So do you want to do, uh,
0: we're all done with the news already, huh? About 20 minutes in.
1: Yeah, I mean, the the news, you know, other than like huge crazy things happening, I feel like the news a lot of the time is more informational than, you know, like crazy so story me and, we got.
0: So me and Pat, we're having a discussion here. <clears throat> we're running into, now that we're, we're on episode five, we're at 100 listens so far by episode five. Pretty sweet. So we're getting there. It's by the same old people, you know. But uh, (laughs) that's how you grow. But But anyway. Thank you. So we're talking about going from not, we're still going to, the top priority is going to be news. But when we're scrolling through, instead of reporting on something boring, we're talking about doing what we're going to call hidden gems.
1: Yeah. I love that idea.
0: So they might not be that hidden, but to somebody across in a different state on another part of the whole whistle mission area, they might be hidden to them. So if we, if in this state we're looking around like, ah, yeah, we don't really care that like nothing like this minor thing, you know, instead of wasting everybody's time on something minor, we're going to do it. Like we're going to announce it. This is a hidden gem and we're going to research an area, a topic, a something, something that is like known to that state that is not overly known, whether it's a town, an activity, you know, something. And we're gonna we're gonna add that that that'll be inserted instead of a piece of news if we can't find anything that good for the news.
1: Another thing I want to do is uh, get a YouTube channel or just connect your to your YouTube your YouTube channel. Wow, that's pretty tough too. And I, I want to go do small experiences all around our territory. You know what I mean? Oh I, yeah. Like uh, I gotta get you guys
0: running a camera. Nobody not knows how to do like anything cinematic. They know how to like record under phone. Well,
1: you're the tech guy. See, you you're, you're the you're the brilliant one.
0: I know. I definitely, I definitely realize in between producing and editing and all this stuff. Yeah, you're right.
1: But you're just a go-getter when it comes to that (laughs) stuff.
0: Oh yeah. Like this podcast will be edited by the time I go to work tomorrow. Yeah. That's pretty intense. It'll be edited and ready to be uploaded. But so what do you think? So we're going to do Hidden Gems and we're still going to continue with Smoking Bills. And Kel swears, we're going to call it Kelsey's Corner, not necessarily Crap Corner. So we're going to leave this up. She wants to start next week. Supposedly,
1: Kelsey's corner. I like it.
0: So, and this is going to leave it open to where, because she's all into eating her little foo foo foods. You know, she likes eating like a rabbit. She likes doing things around the house, and she's just a little go getter. You know, a Let's little corner with
1: the K. So floors, floors, floor, ah, okay. floor better. Yeah.
0: And so each week it'll be just a random Kelsey topic to talk about, and this will fit in with most people like. I feel like either you or, like, your spouse would be into what she has to say because there's always somebody around that wants to hear what she's doing with this stuff.
1: And she, she spends a lot of time outside. She loves gardening, like, you know, plants and stuff like that. And she's just...
0: Little projects around. on. She's painting all the trim in my house right now.
1: You yeah. know, she's, she's doing a good job. She's a very busy girl. She's very doing busy a good... Girl.
0: Yeah, and, and not just that, but a nurse in two spots, you know? Yeah. So she's got a lot of random things to say. She's just, like, for some reason, she's intimidated about talking to the microphone about it.
1: No, come on. That's
0: what she said. She goes, it's so stressful. And I'm like, just try it. So hopefully, hopefully not episode five, but episode six, we're going to have something with Cal on it.
1: Yeah. It's, microphone is learning curve and we're, we're still figuring that out.
0: Yeah, it is. I, I'm, I'm just starting to get Pat to talk mostly into the microphone.
1: Well, see, I have this horrible fear of breathing into it. Like, you know, you know, <laughs> yeah, I just don't.
0: So now that we said all that, we're going to move into smoking bills.
1: Yeah, we're going to smoking bills. Can't wait to see what he's got.
0: All right. Here is smoking bills. Here we are with uh well, I would say smoking bills, but I gotta hit you with this instead. Tommy decided to come up with a new name for you. It oh it stuck. But Tommy texted me and said we should call you Bill Nye the Smoking Guy.
2: <laughs> hey, I'm I'm definitely uh I'm for it. I'm not against it. I think I like that better than smoking bills.
0: I was trying to think of something that rhymes with uh with Nye, that has something to do with smoking. That's what I was thinking of. Bill Fry, the smoking guy. Bill, Bill Fry, the smoking guy.
2: So that's that's what I was thinking of. Let's do some brainstorming on that one. We can so prove th- it.
0: That was a, that's a Tommy thing. Okay. You know? So you bring, you bring gifts. I got a Bush Light here.
2: I bring gifts. I bring Bush Light. And uh, tell me what this is. This was delicious. What do we got here this week? So that's tri-tip, but cooked a little bit differently.
0: No, you used a different name.
2: Um, well, we'll call it the Trisket. Okay. Um, it's a tri-tip like we did a couple of weeks ago, except this time I cooked it like it would a brisket and it didn't take nearly as long as a brisket, which was phenomenal. This was about a five pound tri-tip. Um,
0: that's a lot bigger than the last one, isn't it?
2: Uh, it's no, about, it's about the same. This one was unseasoned though. So this one I bought just raw. Like it was just a regular old tri-tip. It didn't have the pre-marinade or anything on it. I prepared it just like I would a brisket. Uh, I put the... I have this powder that I use. It's called—forget uh, the company that makes it—but it's just bit, uh, brisket pepper. So it's a mix of salt and coarse black pepper, and it's—it really puts a nice crust on it. So what I did is I pulled it out of the fridge, obviously, for about an hour before I was going to start to cook, and I heated up the smoker to 225. We used oak pellets this time, Jim. It's a good old oak. It's my go-to. So I smoked it for about two hours till it got to internal temperature of 140. Now normally i'd pull it off at this point on a normal tri-tip because that's when i would slice it and it would be pretty much medium rare we're going for more of a brisket texture this time so i pulled it off and i wrapped it in foil all the juices you should have seen the puddle of juice when i pulled it off you want to get it to about 190 degrees that's like ideal temperature for pulling it off and slicing like a brisket it got about 195 i would say you mean the meat was that temperature yeah the meat was one that temperature
0: what was the grill at or the smoker
2: Grill was at 225 originally so once i wrapped it in a foil i cranked it up to 300 just to give it that nice uh burn yeah that nice burn to it plus it cooked it a little bit faster which i was happy about but you should have seen the puddle of juice that was in the bottom of this the, the foil oh it was phenomenal and after i pulled it off let it set for about about an hour before I sliced it. Let it sit in its juices and reabsorb everything. And I did it. it did did like a lot
0: a... when did a lot disappear after that happened? What do like, you mean? So you unwrap it, you see all the juice. Yeah. You wait an hour. Is it still the same amount of juice or does it? Oh, it's
2: still the same amount of juice. Like all the internal juice just kind of reabsorb into the meat. Oh,
0: okay. So we won't actually take it out of the foil and put it back in the meat. No, 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 no. Okay.
2: But no, I think it turned out pretty good. I, I know you said that you prefer the other way of. Uh, other way of cooking it but this i didn't a say a preferred
0: it was just if you asked me which one's my favorite like i the only the only thing is that it was different is the the, the crust that was on the last one
2: yeah so this one i didn't reverse sear so this was just a straight up smoke um smoked and wrapped
0: i think it's fantastic i didn't say anything. i trust me that was that's very good no it
2: was good yeah i think it turned out pretty good
0: i just noticed every steak like i got from a restaurant i like is like gibson's you know yeah they put a crust on it
2: yeah, but the, and it's as salty,
0: like, it just feels like they coated it with road salt and made it nice and crispy. And oh just, yeah. I just, for some reason, I love that.
2: I like that on the original tri tip, like the ones that are pre marinated that I get, do a little smoke on them and then reverse sear them. Those turn out pretty good. This time I was just going for more of a brisket esque taste, maybe like a poor man's brisket, I guess. Is you this want getting to say. ready for the brisket or just because? This was just kind of getting ready for it. I wanted to try this rub that I used last time and.
0: We're down to like three weeks from that brisket. You We're keep down talking to about about three
2: it. weeks. Yep, Burcotte's actually has brisket on sale right now for three ninety nine a pound, which is actually really cheap for brisket. They didn't. I was there yesterday and they only had like twenty pounders, seventeen pounders, and I am looking for more like a fourteen pounder. That's, That's still a lot, lot of meat. Yeah, yeah. The good thing about brisket though is you can vacuum seal it and freeze it, and it freezes very well.
0: Man, you want to get a sponsorship from this Burkotts. I really you know? should. I love that. if you're listening, this guy is advertising for free for you. All these recipes they could do with your stuff. So sponsor this guy. I buy all my meat from you. <laughs> I'm I'm sure everybody could hear the thunderstorm going on outside. Yeah, so, right. And they could pinpoint when this was. You know, we're it's on Sunday and there's a thunderstorm going through. So you know when we're recording this.
2: Yep. I actually bought. I actually grilled up a uh, chicken yesterday that I got from Burkotts. Their Amish Farms was on sale. I bought. It was like nine dollars for a whole chicken. Nice. Cook that over the charcoal grill at indirect heat. That was that turned out pretty good. That's going to be my meal prep for the week. Carve that up and it'll make some pretty good sandwiches.
0: Nice. So you called this the Trisket.
2: This is the Trisket. It's a is tri-tip this, brisket.
0: Is this a is this a Bill Nye the Smoking Guy recipe or is this something?
2: This was something that I had seen online and I kind of modified the recipe ever so slightly. So
0: when when somebody listens to this, they're gonna be like, "Oh, I know what a Trisket is," or is this kind of a a, a rarer thing?
2: I mean, I, I never I, heard of it. I've never heard of it either before this week, so that's why I wanted to try it. I thought, "Oh man, this would be a good little this would be a good little experiment on a Sunday when I have the day off finally." Yeah, yeah, you've been killing it. I know it. Yeah, it's been been working a lot. Yeah, I know. it is what it is. It's I know. Yesterday, I saw
0: you worked a half day or so.
2: Yeah, it is what it is. It's that time of year. Make, so that's, that's it. So that's all I got for you this week. I've actually got something on the smoker right now, but that'll be. Uh,
0: I know you were kind of in
2: a rush to get her. Yeah, I wanted to. He's like, "Can I do my segment? I got something going. I don't know when it's going to be done." I'm like, "Come on over!" So yeah. we're,
0: we're hurrying this through.
2: I got something that'll be, got something on the smoker right now for next week. So we'll we'll see how it plays out. Hopefully, oh, this can be good. This, this gonna be smoking bill segment next week. This is gonna be smoking bill segment for next week. I'm doing it this week a week early because I wasn't quite sure how it was going to turn out. So. Can
0: you give us a, a hint of what kind of meat it is? Don't give us the whole thing you're doing, but just is it what kind of animal is it? It's pork. It's pork. Okay. It's pork.
2: And I've been I've been prepping it for about twelve days now. So I, I that gives you a little bit. Twelve days? Yeah, about twelve days. The same piece of meat you've the been working. Same wor- piece of meat, yep. Oh, so you're excited about this? I'm really excited about this. I'm hoping it turns oh, out Oh, well.
0: I know what this is. Yep. I know what th- I know exactly what this is. Okay. So Yeah, I saw
2: this thing already. We'll leave you on a little cliffhanger for next week for the smoking bill segment for next week. If she turns out good. We'll report back on it either way. Oh,
0: I want to hear a bad one. Like, man, I put this thing on and it was terrible. It was, dude,
2: I I fed that shit to the dog and he spit it up. <laughs> so that's so, all you got for us? That's all I got for you. Uh thanks for having me. And uh Oh, yeah, thanks for
0: you- doing this segment. I really do appreciate it. Supposedly your sister is coming on next week she's gonna bite the bullet and she's got a segment really we're, we're just gonna call it pat named it called kelsey's corner with Kelsey's a K.
2: corner, yeah i like
0: it so with her segment it's gonna be it could be a diy project it could be a health tip it could okay. be a food tip you know like she eats like a rabbit you yeah, know right so it's we're kind of leaving it open-ended for you know how kel does kel things so yeah that's hopefully next week we're gonna have one more segment to add to this perfect you know.
2: That'd be awesome. I look forward to hearing what she's got for us next week.
0: Well, I guess we'll
2: talk next weekend. Thanks a bunch. Yeah, thank you for having me.
1: And that was Smoking Bills. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Bill.
0: Appreciate it. I like how he does that every week for us. He's got know? good stuff. He does. He's, he does he's have good. real good
1: stuff. And he's he's big into the uh he's big into the beer thing when he does this. So he really enjoys it.
0: Oh, he he definitely washes all this down with some bush lights. Yeah. That's some old lattes. Some water. Some everything. barley
1: pops. <laughs> Yeah, I had my fair share of barley pop last night. Anyway, so what about you? Did you tie any flies this week?
0: I did fly some ties. Yes, did you heard fly that. Fly some ties. Fly some ties.
1: Fly some ties this week.
0: So I got these uh I was tying These are these are kind of somewhere between the bass size, like large bass and like up to I would say a muskie, maybe a little smaller.
1: More stuff to get you frustrated at the end of August.
0: But I noticed I didn't really have a whole lot of big ass poppers, so I got these howitzer heads. And I tied a black one and I tied a chartreuse one. I wanted a bright and a dark. I don't really care too much about like specific colors. I like light and I like dark.
1: Man, those things look better than store bought. You like them, huh? Yeah, you, you do a really good job with that. You have, you must have the finesse and the artistic value to. I, I,
0: maybe I just, I just know what I want and I know I can't really buy it, at least for a decent price. I couldn't buy it. That's how I got back into tying. Remember, I was doing this as a kid and yeah. I just kind of oh, yeah. gave it up and then. Got back into, like, now I'm doing it, like, for larger fish. And it's like, man, these flies are expensive. I might as well just tie these things. So that's what I've been doing. But I got these howitzer heads with a a chartreuse one and a black one. Man, they pop.
1: We've always been interested in making our own lures.
0: Yeah, I still, right at your feet, I got a wood lathe.
1: Oh yeah! Remember, I
0: bought that wood lathe for making muskie stuff. I never, I tried it a couple of times. Didn't turn out too good.
1: And now he's completely switched gears into.
0: Just this year, just this year. Next year, next year, it's gonna be all rounded I'm gonna. It's gonna be a lot of stuff. It's just this year I dedicated my entire life to fly fishing. Because
1: you're you're probably the best baitcaster. That I know, at least, really? not, not that bait so? casting is some insane talent. Oh, absolutely. I, a lot, lots of people have problems, but you put the you put the time and the work in to get past those problems. Oh,
0: yeah, I haven't anybody. had. I, I wouldn't even say I've had problems for several years now. You know. And those
1: of you that aren't familiar with bait casting, there is a pretty decent learning curve if you're throwing light stuff. And Jim can do that very well. I appreciate it. He could drop that right in your lap. Yeah, that
0: was very nice of you.
1: Yeah, if you're if you're five boat lengths away in another boat, Jim can drop that right in your lap. Or <laughs> if you're drinking a can of beer. He can drop it right through the pop top and just pull that right away from you. I appreciate that. He's good. Pretty good with the fly rod too.
0: I appreciate that. So I I got that 11 weight in. I'll do a full review on that later, but man, that thing's hard to throw. It's hard to throw, but I got a different thing I want to talk about. Okay. Totally. Totally. We're going to switch gears a thousand percent here. Okay.
1: Let me just put it into
0: fifth gear. Okay. So, So I started really, really researching my broadheads for this fall. Okay. And I said, I was going to go full fixed.
1: You can and, get me lost for two hours on this by the way. So I, don't,
0: but I just want to, I just kind of throwing this out there. I wish somebody would email us in with an opinion, somebody. So I was talking to Dana and by the way, Dana is more than interested in coming on this podcast.
1: Oh, Dana's awesome. Dana is so awesome. And she's an awesome bow shooter from what I hear too.
0: Yeah. Well, she's sponsored by this company I'm about to tell you about. So I told her, I said, I really kind of want to save her till we have a few more listens. You know, if, if this does get a little more popular or at least until hunting season, because she's like a, she's a top-notch bow information, you know, bow hunting, And bow she keeps shooting. it
1: simple too. She doesn't dive too far into the weeds where it just confuses you. She just keeps it simple and she gets results.
0: So I walked in the archery shop and I told her, look, I'm starting to shop for broadheads now. Um, you know, I, I got some, I got some fixed blades now. I forget what they are, but the one she showed me. That I've, I'm, I'm, I am I'm, said I wasn't going to do mechanical. I, you know, I said I was going to do fixed. But I'm very interested in these Grim Reaper hybrids. Have you seen them?
1: Yeah. So is that the one where they do have a fixed blade and then they also have...
0: It's two blade fixed with two that come out. Okay. And I'm very interested in the fact if they don't open, if it does fail, you're still going to get an inch and 316s cut.
1: That's huge. That's still so huge. What what weight are they? 100, 100 grain. Okay.
0: You can get them in. Uh, I think they also do one twenty-five and one fifty. Maybe I was looking at a hundred. I'm going to stick with a hundred grain arrow or field or sorry, hundred grain broadheads.
1: So if anybody listens to the, the same podcast that I do, I now have way more theories on broadheads that I have to go and test for myself. And that, definitely one is heavier. And I, of course, with the normal shooting that we do with our bow, that's going to change everything. I'm even going to have. Are to you talking about stuff on my site?
0: Are you talking about? Uh, focusing more on the foc of an arrow absolutely yeah
1: and like the like obviously the foc is the tip weight but uh i just want more weight on the front i, I, I want i want more weight on the arrow in general
0: which i heard i heard that same podcast I really don't want to advertise for him it so badly wants to like fall out of my mouth and i'm sure anybody that's listening to this knows exactly the podcast we're talking about
1: if you listen to the same podcast that we do i'm sure but it just gets you thinking
0: and oh, that's yeah. what i want
1: this podcast to do but it just gets you thinking and you're like you know what I do shoot better with a heavier tip sometimes. They just drop a little faster to me.
0: They do drop. The one thing I notice drops more than anything is you gave me that lighted knock. And I know they were cheaper and they're probably heavier than like really good ones. But that lighted knock, after 40 yards, I lose about a foot every 10 yards.
1: So that's interesting that you say that because that, that heavier knock in the back would reduce your FOC.
0: Definitely. And after listening to that one podcast, I learned. I really got to thinking about it. And I'm like, I could definitely see why FOC is, is something to be paying attention to. So now to.
1: let me throw this at you. What if you increased both? You if increased your your FOC way more where a little bit more weight on the back, which because I love the lighted knock thing. I can even check my aeroflight with lighted knock at dusk. You know what I mean?
0: If you increase both at the same rate, you'd have the same FOC ratio. You'd have the same percentage difference. If you – but if you just increase at you know x amount twice as much twice as much on the front and one times as much as much on the back, you're now you just change the FOC. But if you change them, if you, you change them with a different ratio, if you change them at the same weight that you do now and you keep the ratios the same, all you have is the same FOC, but with a heavier grain arrow. Yeah. Follow me. Absolutely. I think I said that all right. Yeah,
1: I think you did. And uh, so yesterday, just as a quick, as a quick. Uh, experiment for me wanted to go to I, I want to go to 150 grain broadhead i don't want to get too crazy heavy and then be lobbing that thing but uh i went to 150 grain broadhead at 40 yards i only lost like three and a half inches or so three
0: and a half is a lot I it mean, is a lot
1: but at the same time it's if you plan for it it's really not that much
0: three and a half a, a, is a kill shot versus a complete miss. it was three and a half inches Complete mess.
1: I mean, in bows, it's it's kind of just one MOA, which is not – in the bow world, it's one MOA. Don't All the rifle people don't get too crazy on me on (sighs) that one. But in the bow world, it's pretty much just one MOA. Yeah, I'd like to keep it as close to as I've
0: been training. I thought about going up to 125, but I only shoot a 60-pound bow, and I don't think we need to get that crazy. No,
1: I I don't want to go more – you know, I was researching on ways to make my 60-pound bow a 70-pound bow, and I, I don't want to do that anymore.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of over that. And then uh, the other thing too is we're, we're practicing all this flat on flat. We're not practicing. So your vitals get smaller. The higher you go and the closer that deer gets to you, the less of vitals you have to shoot through. Hmm. Flat on flat, you got a nice broad target. You know, you go 20 feet up in and he's only 10 yards away, you're just about shooting through his spine now. So yeah. your, your vitals get even smaller. It's going to be even a smaller target.
1: But I'm interested to see what what your FOC, what a greater FOC effect is from higher up. You know what I mean? So yeah. maybe shooting flat, your FOC changes everything, but then you go, you know, 15, 20 feet up. What does it the change then?
0: Yeah, I got to imagine 45 degrees and down. It would change a lot less than 45 degrees and up. Right. This is all speculation. But I want to get back to the broadheads I'm talking about. So I'm very interested in... I'm researching now now, because I just did this Friday. So I'm very interested in researching if that is a good option or not. Because, I mean, regardless of the mechanical opens, you still have an inch and 316s cut.
1: Yeah, that's big.
0: With kind of still maintaining uh, your 100-grain field tip with not that much play after training with field tips over the last year.
1: Now, my question when it comes to mechanicals is, do you think you're still going to get a pass-through? with the mechanical so the
0: one review i've i've seen so far it looks like yes but not necessarily if that's the best the best way i can put it right now
1: so the way i'm thinking about this now is i always want you know i want a 90 percent chance of having a pass through at least so i think i'll still end
0: up going with fixed blades um so dana told me to check out these annihilators too he she says if you want a fixed blade a lot of people are doing it these are fixed solid blades so these also play with the wind a lot more. So if you're shooting into the wind or even worse, sidewind, I'd take into the wind over a side sidewind any day. You got a chance of the wind playing with it, you know, but supposedly these annihilators bore a hole like a drill bit, you know, they spin and they actually bore a hole through it. And so a lot of people are buying the the, the cutting head is only like, uh, it's want to say 910,000 so, or, you know, 0.91. Right. Nine, so almost yeah. an inch, just under an inch versus all these other ones that are an inch and an eighth inch and a quarter but supposedly it's more of an effective
1: shot so the one thing i, I researched this week just to make sure before i really dive into the weeds on broadheads the minimum broadhead width you need in illinois is seven eighths which is point eight two five or 8.875 correct good math good math i can math but uh yeah well that's really easy to figure that one out but yeah so and it, I mean an inch and three sixteenths. That's huge. You're you're way over. And I, I wouldn't even go out with a seven eighths broadhead. I would go out. I would try and me. I'm gonna try and land in the one sixteenths.
0: I want to say it's if with the fixed blades. It's inch and three sixteenths. And it was something like once the blades open, it's like two and a quarter or two inch. So if with the mechanicals open, it's a big gaping hole in
1: that thing. But so now, do you want to gamble on a mechanical?
0: That's my that's my hangup.
1: Yeah, that's that that is my but only hangup. But you really to but
0: you're not fully gambling because it's a hybrid. Right. You're not fully. you if you if you shoot in the right spot, you still get an inch and three cut.
1: And to me, this is not a risk rewards thing. Like the higher the risk, the higher reward. When it comes to broadheads, like I want something reliable every time.
0: My only thing is we got we've been training so much with field points, so I was thinking of trying to find a way of keeping with still being accurate the way I shoot with out a field point.
1: So the, the the one thing I wanted the if I were to buy a broadhead right now and try and test it and get my bow dialed up to it. Right now, if you were to not give me any more research, I would go with the, um, I think it's called the Magnus Killer B. Um, looking, no, for, looking for sponsor,
0: broadhead companies. Looking for sponsors.
1: No serrations. Uh, no serrations.
0: I've, I've, I, serrations are out for me. I'm not interested in serrations.
1: Yeah, I, I don't, to me that doesn't, it, it, you would get stuff caught in the broadhead rather than the broadhead trying to pass through. It'd I think that's just be slowing it down.
0: I think that's just selling the hunter you know
1: yeah oh wow that that thing looks gnarly i'm gonna get that yeah. yeah i think
0: that's all it is it's got the hunters got to buy it first just well like yeah we said yeah. with lures lures got to catch the fishermen first. yeah
1: <laughs> absolutely yeah i mean if you're selling lures but uh so yeah that's that's the one that i'm looking at um i originally was going to do 100 grain but i want to go with 150 non-vented
0: so within the next month i'll have a better answer for you but i just want to say that's where i'm at looking at broadheads now i'm actually I'm i'm very very close to buying these hybrids and getting good with these hybrids
1: and in the next two months we're going to be going through a little broadhead journey here because uh i feel like that is the number one thing when it comes to hunting is your aeroscience well
0: we're getting to that we're getting to that time of the year where it's going to be it's going to be like serious go time
1: you yeah know? only shoot broadheads that's that's kind of where I'm going to be in the next couple of weeks. Oh
0: yeah, but I mean, really getting serious on what we're going to be using, you know. Yep. We could have spent all summer with it, but I didn't want to like wear myself out by the time the fall came. So I yeah. kind of wanted to do my fishing all year and then. Yeah, now,
1: it's like playing baseball in December. You're not looking forward to it in April.
0: Right. Yeah. Right. So that's. I just wanted to bring that up. I know uh, you got a little something for us. Right? Yeah,
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about my mountain bike.
0: I thought you had more than one.
1: Oh, I've got three. <laughs> so let's talk about three. Well, I'm going to talk about the evolution leading to my one that I just love. Okay. So, yeah, I'll go. So, with. Where, does, where does this story in the beginning? Okay, in the beginning, I bought a large frame, 29 inch hardtail, which is the one that you have now. And awesome bike, love it. I've always been a small bike guy. I've always had a small bike when I was a kid. I, you know, so I've just gotten used to riding a small bike, and you can throw them around a lot easier. So, I went out and I bought this bike, thinking it would be, you know, the cat's meow and I didn't like it. I felt like I was riding a bicentennial bike. It's a 29 inch large frame. I felt like for me to get off of this thing, I'm gonna have to jump. And but then Brad also
0: has a 28 inch insane.
1: Hit my parachute and yeah, no, it's 20, it's 30. Shut up. <laughs> Give me some credit, man. <laughs> um, so then I went out. I gave that bike to Jim. Went out and I bought myself a 27 and a half medium frame hardtail, and I loved it. Now
0: hardtail for us idiots. Uh, a hardtail is no rear suspension. Under yeah, the seat. no rear
1: suspension and. So if you're doing more technical stuff, it's a bouncy ride. It's a way bouncy ride. And it's a little bit harder to control, but they're way more versatile in terms of what you can do with it, where you can ride it, that kind of stuff. So I rode that bike. I've got a million miles on that bike. It's my I would still tell you it's my favorite bike up until probably last year. And now I'm even kind of looking to sell it, but um I'll give you twenty bucks. Twenty, yeah. Yeah, okay, sure. Yeah. Twenty bucks to look at it. Couldn't even buy the tuba for
0: twenty bucks for that bike.
1: No, you could buy a couple tubes for twenty bucks. Oh, okay. But uh, so I love that bike, and then this was a long time ago, but they had the sale going on this bike that I had been eyeballing, just kind of pipe dreaming out. And then my local bike shop was closing down, and they were get, they were just liquidating, so they, they had this thing for I think I think it was forty percent off. And the guy said if you got cash, you could just come in here and buy it for that price. So I just rounded up all my cash, went and bought this bike, rode it, liked it in the beginning. But as I kept progressing with my hardtail, I liked it less. And I just kept riding a hardtail more because it was just too much for me to go out and try and figure this other bike out. So that that bike, the full suspension is a giant anthem. It's more of a cross country full suspension, doesn't have like a whole bunch of travel. But uh, it's perfect for around here. Now now I'll tell you why I think it's perfect for around here. So it was a large frame bike, 27 and a half. Don't want to bog you down with all the specs too much. But, uh,
0: no, go ahead. I mean, is, is it useful knowledge or no?
1: Absolutely. I, I think I think large frame bikes pretty much apply to people who have over a 32 or 34 inch inseam. Okay. To me.
0: I'm at 32.
1: Now me, I am like 90% torso and little, little tiny legs. So.
0: Yeah, because that bike you gave me, That I have no problem with that bike. Bill loved it. He's a little taller than me.
1: And what, what's your inseam? 32? 32. 32. Yeah, so don't give me too much crap. 32-inch inseam. I'm just a 30. It's even a little long sometimes. But uh, so anyway, I got this bike, and trying to ride it in certain situations was like impossible. So I tried to make all these changes. And it's slow evolution, but I got a different – now I can't think of what they're called, but it's a different headpiece that holds your handlebars and uh, stem. I got a different stem. This stem was real down low and forward, which is hard for somebody who's riding a bike that's a little too large for them, You know, but I'm a budget buyer, so that's what I get. And uh, my my other our other brother, Joe, recommended that I try and just change the stem, maybe make the stem a little shorter, make it a little more maneuverable. So I did that. I actually got one that comes back and up. I started riding that bike again, and it was awesome. It was like everything changed. I could ride that thing for hours and hours and hours. And... Then I started diving more into the weeds with tires. And I'm thinking, I'm going to put big nitty gritty tires on this thing. I did that. I got tires that were too wide for 19 rims. And uh, yeah, and I had serious problems with those too. The light bulb effect where the tires just kind of rolling around, causing a bunch of resistance. And uh, so I went and I bought 35, 35 millimeter wide rims, which is huge. That's borderline fat bike stuff right there.
0: We all know fat bikes are the only real bikes.
1: Yeah. Who, who we know all that, knows that?
0: Everybody. Everybody no. in the world, anybody that hears this podcast is like, uh, remember, if you can hear this podcast, you could be on it.
1: No, you have to be a diehard fat bike guy to even just be a fat bike guy.
0: Oh, they're the best bikes that are ever
1: made. No. Ever but, made. So I got these, and now I have the opposite effect, where it's not a light bulb enough. So it's a very, it's a stiffer ride, but, man, you get crazy traction when you're going straight and even a little bit of cornering.
0: I'm assuming by light bulb, you mean the shape of the tire versus the rim.
1: Absolutely. So okay. if, if the screw-in part of the light bulb was the rim, the, the light bulb would be the tire. if Yeah, you were the to look radius at from, of the
0: tire. Part of that actually touches the ground.
1: Right. So now I have a less of a light bulb effect where mine just looks like a rectangle instead of a light bulb. I've got this huge rim on the bottom and just the arc over the top of the rim. Now, it's not quite exactly like that. There is still a little bit of a light bulb effect. But it's not. The MTB world would call me crazy for doing what I did but I love it. It is the most reliable thing. You don't pop a bunch of tubes and it's insanely reliable. That rim is so stout.
0: So this is, this is pad approved.
1: This is pad approved. But if I were to do it again, I'd probably buy a 30 just for, just to get a little bit more of that light bulb effect. And I don't run tubeless. A lot of guys run tubeless. I don't. Uh, That's just a preference thing. I've seen people who run tubeless, have a lot of problems just getting their bike ready to go and I, I, me, I want reliability. I want to just hop on that sucker and go.
0: So give me a rundown here. So I kind of, I, I guess I didn't follow along. What, what three bikes do you have?
1: Um, I also have a, so we, we have the hardtail.
0: Give it like brands. You got
1: so a, the, my hardtail is the James dragon. It's a chromoly frame, which is kind of odd for bikes nowadays, but I, I liked how I looked old school and stuff like that. And I wanted, you know, something super, du- super durable. So that was my main squeeze for a long time. And uh, then I got this Giant Anthem that's also 27 and a half. I'm a 27 and a half guy. I can't change my mind about that um, because of that bike that I got from you. That feels like a bicentennial bike. Everybody says, oh, well, 29 gets more rollover and all this stuff. So what
0: kind of bike is that again? Say that again.
1: Uh, yours? No,
0: yours. The one you're-
1: uh, Giant Anthem. That's the name of the brand? The Giant is the brand. Anthem is the model. Oh, okay. And it's a three. So it, it was their higher end model of that model. You know what I mean? And that's a the full sub- suspension? Models. Yeah, full suspension. It's got a Rock shocks, which hopefully one day I can get a sponsorship from Rock Shocks. Don't think that's going to happen, but that that's my know. fork. That's my that's my suspension. It's perfect.
0: And what was the third bike?
1: Third bike I bought off a guy that um, I was doing work at his job oh, site. Know. Yeah, I know yeah. this one. Okay. And it's it's not like the greatest bike on the planet. It's it's like a cheap aluminum frame with a bunch of good parts on it. But it's got road slicks on it, so that's kind of my road bike. It's a 26er hardtail with a medium frame. and
0: Well, I didn't know that was a hardtail one. I thought that was a full suspension. No,
1: that's a hardtail. So the girlfriend rides that bike. Um, it's not that reliable of a bike because of the changes he had to make to the to the sprockets to get it to fit on that frame. So it's there's some tweaking you got to do kind of often with that, and it, it bugs me. So I, I don't really ride the crap out of that bike. But it's a great girlfriend bike. It's a great oh yeah. Just throw that in the so truck. Or somebody's gonna ride with your bike.
0: The the mountain bike riding that you do when you do these trailer reviews. If you had to pick one of those, which one would you be doing?
1: Like which trail? No, which or, bike?
0: Which bike? You you can only own
1: one. Full suspension all day. Oh okay. Uh, now, if you were to ask me that a year and a half ago, I'd tell you the hardtail all day because it's the most versatile.
0: So it remains to be seen what you actually truly love.
1: So you really you really have to get into it to want to buy a full suspension because they are in this day and age with how far bikes have come, they are quite a bit more money. Why is that? Um, just because there's a, more moving parts in the back and there's another piece of suspension that you got to buy. Now, me, I'm all air over hydraulic suspension, and I love it. Absolutely love it. They're adjustable. They're easy.
0: I know this is kind of minor, but I love the hydraulic disc brake on that bike. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. There's nothing.
0: That is. You could lock that up.
1: Don't even get me started on that. Everybody says that... You know, why just not have it so simple where you can just have a cable? And I agree, but there's just nothing smoother than hydraulics. You sure you got to keep the bike upright more, and there's some stuff you got to watch out for. Even temperature changes get kind of funky with it sometimes, but it's so much better of a ride and so much more braking power.
0: Oh, yeah. I, I could lie. If I was doing like 15, 20 miles an hour on that, I think I can go over the handlebars with those brakes. And it's locking a, them up.
1: It's a plug and play thing. You can kind of put that wherever the hell you want, you know, and on your controls, you know, on your brake controls, all that stuff. So, I love it. I absolutely love so,
0: it. So so for the kind of mountain bike that you, when you're giving us the trail reviews, if you had to choose one for all these trail reviews so far, it would be the full suspension.
1: It'd be the full suspension. That's a giant Anthem 3 from, I think, 2014. But I've made so many changes to it that.
0: It's kind of a last decade bike.
1: It's kind of like, yeah, just the frame is what you're, you know.
0: Yeah, every piece came from a different year.
1: Yep, pretty much. it's yeah. like Johnny Cash. <laughs> Ke- Remember Johnny Cash's song "One yeah. Piece at a Time." One piece at a time, yeah. But and I, I have had some problems with the full suspension that you definitely wouldn't get with a hardtail, like uh, suspension parts coming loose and stuff like that.
0: Oh yeah, I imagine that's that's just you not checking it as often as you should.
1: Yeah, I, you should really check that kind of stuff. If we're talking like Uber safety, you gotta check that stuff every ride. But I, like I said, I just want to toss my bike in the truck and go. I don't want to be working on it for half an hour because that's gonna make me ride less.
0: I know when I'm in the boat. And I don't have the motor bolted to the transom. Mm -hmm. And every now and then I'm thinking, I am so happy I checked these clamps for the, you know, clamping onto the transom, those screws, those bolts or whatever you want to call them. Because some of these are like a turn and a half. I'm like, this son of a bitch would have jumped off the back of this thing, you know? So, I could definitely see where you neglect checking simple things. You know, I totally can sympathize with that.
1: And one thing before people really lose attention on my little mountain bike segment here is I got asymmetrical rims. Now, if you're going to buy big rims, sometimes asymmetrical is your only option. But with those rims, they are the most reliable. You don't have to mess around with spokes all the time. Um, You just kind of set it and forget it when they're that big. And... To me, reliability is everything. You can talk about weight and all that stuff all you want if you're a racer. But reliability to me, to make sure that I keep going out there, is number one. So, yeah, that's my bike. I'm very proud of it. I'm not looking to get a new one anytime soon. That sure. bike's already seven years old. and it's, I can't
0: believe that Time flies, man. I can't believe it's
1: that old. Yeah. But to me, it's still like my brand new bike. But it is I, – I love every second of it. But I, I still do – like the james dragon but now that i have bigger tires on the other one it just feels like when i go ride the james it's like a road bike so but yeah that's my bikes if you got a question about it you can email us at the uh, whistle mission podcast at gmail.com what was that again the whistle mission podcast at gmail.com and like who what are the kind
0: of guests we're looking for we're
1: looking for anybody if you live in a state and you are an outdoors person and you touch lake michigan with your state you can be on this podcast. You didn't. You didn't say it right. He he's got a very specific way of saying it, and he does a very good job of it. If I think you I can hear the is, point across,
0: if you can hear this podcast, that means you can be on it. Yeah.
1: Perfect. Wow. You are man. You are good at the. You are just so good at making full circle. You know that.
0: I'm trying to be good at this. You know, looking for a job. You I'm know, looking
1: for a job too. Yeah. Let us know your thoughts. Um. If you want to be on this podcast, all you got to do is hit us up at whistlemissionpodcast at gmail.com. If you can hear it, you can be on it. Don't be
0: shy. Don't be shy. So we're gonna we're at a hundred we're at a hundred listens. I don't think this thing registers all of them. The little site we use to monitor all this. But we're we're averaging about twenty five listens an episode right now.
1: And with this time of year, we also want to hear your input on hunting. We want to hear anything you've got to know yeah, or learning. contribute to hunting because yes, we want to learn and. We would like for you to be on this podcast. So hit us up. So what, will that do it for today, Jim? I
0: think so. You sure you got nothing else?
1: No, I'm good. I don't want to torch all my information. So just a,
0: just a recap and uh, kind of bring this all back together. Okay. So we got Wisconsin DNR or just people to document their deer. You can pheasant hunt. All those spots are out in Illinois. Alligators in Michigan. Stop um, doing that.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Indiana DNR wants your input. And yeah, that's all I got. That's our that's our little ending there.
1: If, if you're a Hoosier, Indiana wants your input. Yeah, if they don't you're, care about us. If you're an Illinoisan. fib. They call us fib. A fib, so yeah. Okay, if you're yeah. A fib, they, fib, they don't I care. I what that stands for. But um, yeah, they don't care. So anyway,
0: listen to next week. Thanks for listening to this episode. So Thanks again, guys. Hopefully next week we'll have uh, Kelsey on. You
1: know, Kelsey's Corner with the K. Kelsey's Corner with the K. <laughs> all right. See you next week. See you.